0: Next on Contemplate.
1: Let me share something with you. It doesn't matter what anybody else has ever said to you or how they've treated you. God says you are special. God says He does love you. He does not care what you've done. If you will believe in Jesus Christ, the price has been paid.
0: When Paul had the opportunity to share his faith, he jumped at the chance. And while not everyone liked what he had to say, for some, the results were life-changing. Please turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 13, verse 29, and here's Pastor David.
1: He says, listen, I've just given you the truth. Now you're responsible for it. These other folks who Jesus came to directly, they rejected the truth and actually put him to death. And he says this. Now when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. He was seen for many days by those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses to the people. So he's just gone through that gospel message that we're familiar with. We talked about something called the kerygma that we find in 1 Corinthians, right? Chapter 15. I'll read it to you, verses 3 through 8. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, that's Peter. Then by the twelve, after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. And then Paul adds, and then, then last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. This is the oldest thing that we know of that exists in the New Testament. It was going around within a very short time after the resurrection of Christ. This saying, this gospel saying, this, this uh, outline of the witnesses of the resurrection, Paul is basically doing that same thing here in this section. Okay? He's given this message. He's saying, listen, Jesus rose from the dead. He proved that he was the Messiah. And I'm not just saying that. There are many witnesses, including me. You can go ask them. You can go ask them. Now, we heard the phrase, took him down from the tree. It's important. It's important. There's a lot that's connected here. He probably said that because they would have been familiar with the book of Deuteronomy, fifth book of the Torah, right? The book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 21, verses 22 through uh, 23. says this. If a man has committed a sin deserving of death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall surely bury him that day, so that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance, for he who is hanged is accursed of God. Now, the understanding that they would have, that he was implying here is that Jesus Christ became a curse for us to take our curse away, to save us, to redeem us from the curse of the law because of our sin. That's what, he's, that's what he's implying there when he talks about the hanging on a tree. Here is what the Holy Spirit inspires Paul to write to the Galatians, these folks, later on when he writes the, the letter to the Galatians. He says this, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, you gotta, this is important because as we go through Acts and we see Paul in these different places, and then we go to his letters and see what he writes back based on the sermons that he gave, it's all tied together. He's making these connections for them. He's clearly made it here. He makes it again later. Let's look at verses 32 and 33. And we declare to you glad tidings, that promise which was made to the fathers. God has fulfilled this for us, their children, and that he he has raised up Jesus. As it is also written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. He's making it explicit. God has fulfilled all these promises. You come in here every week. You're reading the law and the prophets and the promises of God. They're all about Jesus. That's what he's saying. He's fulfilled all these promises. This is good news for you. This is great news. God has done what he said he would do, and he did it in Jesus Christ. That is the message that he's giving to these folks. Okay. Big big news. Okay. And he says, um, let's 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 move forward. Actually, thirty four. And that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. He has spoken thus, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, You will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, was buried with his fathers, and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up saw no corruption. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins, and by him everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. This is huge. First, he's saying this all these, David is prophesying in the Psalms and whatever. It's not about him, okay? The holy one won't see corruption. David did his thing by the will of God, and he did. Jesus is alive. He is the one, and in that resurrection, in rising from the dead, dying and rising from the dead, he has provided justification. This is a legal term. This is a legal term, right? He's saying, listen, you go before the court, you have all this sin, you, you are guilty and condemned. Jesus, in dying on the cross, by his blood, has taken your sins so that when the judge looks at you, he says, you're justified, innocent. You can, you can go. You can go. You can enter into relationship with the Father because of what Jesus did. It's huge. This is huge. So, he's, he's basically saying, you know, this is, you have been legally made free. If you'll accept what Jesus did. If you'll believe and accept what Jesus did. It says this, verse 39. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Right? Could not be justified by the law of Moses. In other words, all this stuff that you're studying, all the stuff that you're doing without Jesus, it will never be enough. The law will never be enough. It's there to show you that it will never be enough. If we read again in his letter to the Galatians, we read in uh, chapter 2, verse 16, it says this to these folks, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus' Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. It cannot do it. All these sacrifices, and these rules, and these traditions, and these things that you do, it will never build up enough to take away your sin and your rebellion. You cannot do enough. And they knew this. And so this news that he's bringing them was good news, but he gives them a warning He says, This beware, therefore, lest what has been spoken in the prophets come upon you. Behold, you despisers, marvel and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe, though one were to declare it to you. He's saying, Listen, I just told you what happened when Jesus came to these people and these leaders in Jerusalem and how they rejected him and killed him. Now I've given you the good news, I've laid it out clearly. You have the opportunity for eternal life, for justification of sins. Do not let what the prophets said be true of you, that you're a despiser. That you reject the truth when it's brought to you. Let's read the next couple verses here. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. They're jacked up about this. They like what they hear. They want to hear more. So the Gentiles are coming saying, let us hear more. Now, when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. So here's some people, and they're coming during this week. Clearly, Paul is getting to preach more to these folks who have chosen to hear more about Jesus, to believe in him. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. I don't even know how that worked. I probably wouldn't have fit in the synagogue, so I don't know if you had to go outside, if you're standing on the roof and speaking to people. I don't know how it worked, but almost the whole city is a lot of people. A lot of people. There's been a lot of buzz. I don't know what they've heard, but somehow they've heard that whatever Paul has to say, whatever Paul and Barnabas are preaching, it's something that you want to hear, and they all showed up. They were super excited. Super excited, Okay. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. And contradicting and blaspheming, they opposed the things spoken by Paul. (laughs) These people are supposed to be the chosen people of God. Following God. Wanting to see the redemption of Israel and through Israel the world. That's what they're supposed to want. And what happens when Paul brings the truth and good news, but it brings a bunch of people and they go, who is this guy? Who is this guy, Paul, who the crowds follow? They're jealous, right? And even what makes it worse is these are those dirty, unclean Gentiles. We don't like them. We think of ourselves as better than them. At least I'm not a Gentile. That's where they're at in their heart, right? We've seen this over and over again. And so on Paul, all these Gentiles come to hear the word of God, and Paul's saying things like, you could never be justified by the law, that thing which you lift up so high and think that you're following but aren't really. And says, no, no, Jesus Christ has fulfilled all that. And the Gentiles are coming in. They're envious. They're jealous. What a reaction to have. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold. And said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. These are chosen people. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Hey, we gave you the truth. We warned you not to be despisers, we warned you not to be those people that a marvel was done, and you didn't believe it even though it was spoken to you. But you are those people. You've shown yourself to care more about whatever it is that's making you envious than about the truth. You care more about your traditions. You care more about being better than somebody. You care more about something than about the truth of Jesus Christ. You have rejected God. You have judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life. And so we're out. We're taking this to the Gentiles. Well, how did the Gentiles react? Now, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. The Gentiles are freaking out. These Jews, who clearly held themselves above people, have rejected something. And yet Paul is preaching this message saying, God has done a work That puts you in a position to be justified and accepted and in relationship with him. And cutting things off your body and following these rules and doing these things and these traditions are not the way to God. He loves you. And as a result, they're glad and they glorify the word of God. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. They're not just glad. Not just glad. They can't keep quiet about it. They're going throughout all the region not just three streets next to the synagogue, all the region, they're saying, Jesus is Savior. And it's making a difference. And people are coming to know the Lord. People are getting saved. It says this, But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city, raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium. They're so upset with the success of the gospel. They're so upset that Paul has taken the gospel to these dirty, unclean Gentiles in their mind. They're so upset that the crowds want to hear what he has to say and not what they want to say. They're so upset that he's, that he's showing that Jesus has destroyed the dividing line. And that he has come, not just to the Jews, but to everyone who will believe. They're so upset with that message that they raise up persecution and they literally kicked these guys out. And on their way out, they're shaking the dust off their feet. This is what Jesus told uh, his folks to do when they went out, right? If you go out and they won't, they won't welcome you, they won't accept you, shake the dust off your feet. In the first century, in the, the actual first century practice for Jews was when they walked through Gentile lands to, to clean themselves from the impurities of the Gentiles, they would shake the dust off their feet. Now this is coming back on them. Paul is saying, no, 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 they're not impure. You might want to look at yourself, shaking the dust off his feet. Last verse. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Now, I asked you earlier to think about what it was like in the times where you have felt unwanted, unaccepted, small, unimportant, and what it would be like to go from there to being accepted and loved and made to feel important and special. These Gentiles had been in that position. They're idol worshipers. They know the bankruptcy of praying to something made out of stone or wood, okay? They know that that is not the way to God. In fact, many of them had already started to become god fears. But as they become god fears, what do the Jews do? Oh, you want to follow God? I've got a knife and a little ceremony we're going to go through here that's going to hurt a lot. And then you're going to only eat this, and you're going to do this, and you're going to follow this custom, and you're going to follow this custom, and you're going to do these things, and you better not do this and don't have mixed fabric. and All these rules that they've built up right, to separate, to be separate. And they're like, who can keep this? we're separated from God. We are unclean. And then Paul comes in and says, Jesus came to save you. You are not unclean if you believe upon the name of Jesus Christ. And they go in an instant from being rejected, unable to be in relationship with God, to the joy of being accepted, loved, appreciated, By the creator of the universe. Now, who cares what the Jewish leaders think now? The God of the universe has said, I like you. And they were joyful. They rejoiced in this. Glorified the word of God. Joy. All of you who have come to Christ have had that happen. You've gone from being unaccepted because of your rebellion and your sin And the things you've done and thought and the way that you've treated people, from that to the blood of Jesus Christ, justification, your sins washed away. God seeing you as clean and justified and innocent and accepting and loving you and having you in relationship. And hopefully in that moment when that happened to you, there was great joy. And hopefully if you have not come to believe in Jesus Christ and follow him, you will do it for that joy because it is joyful. But we can lose that. We can get into a rhythm. And church can become this thing that becomes more duty than joy. And working for the kingdom can become this thing that feels like toil and not joyful work for the king of kings. And we forget For those of you who struggle with, I'm not important, I'm not worthy, I'm not special, let me share something with you. It doesn't matter what anybody else has ever said to you or how they've treated you. God says you are special. God says He does love you. He does not care what you've done. If you will believe in Jesus Christ, the price has been paid. You can be justified. And if you are in Christ and have been justified, there is no place for a feeling of inferiority. Because the King of kings and Lord of lords, the creator of the universe, has said, I made you special and want a relationship with you. Joy. That's amazing. It's amazing. Don't lose that. For those of you who are in Christ... At one point, you knew what it was to to just be awash in and feel the joy of your salvation. Rekindle that if you don't have that. It's yours. It's yours. The joy is yours. God wants you to have it overflowing more and more. Don't get to the point where this is all about duty and not joy because the Christian life is a joyful life. Spend time in that relationship. You have a relationship with God. Is that lost on some of us sometimes? God and you have a relationship, okay? We all, I wish I could meet whoever, famous movie star, famous athlete, whatever it is. Do You have a relationship with God, There's no one more famous. There's no one more important. And there's no one who is more qualified to make a judgment about your importance than God. And what has he said? You're important enough, special enough, amazing enough that I would die for you. And he did. Don't lose that. Don't lose that joy. Don't let us lose that joy. Don't let ex-church lose that joy. Live in it. Walk in it. Work in it. Serve in it.
0: that joy in your life that Pastor David has been talking about well, you can. If you want a relationship with Jesus that changes everything, that can happen right now. Wherever you are or whatever you're doing, simply tell Jesus you believe he's the Son of God, ask him to forgive your sins and be your Lord and Savior, and he will. And if you still have questions about all this, call us at 360 360- Eight eight five nine thousand, Or send us an email. Use info at actschurchnw.org. Thanks for listening, and hope you'll check out the next episode for more great Bible teaching with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.